Hello and welcome to the Bedroom Studios podcast, podcast where we talk about what goes on behind the scenes in a musician's world and bridge the industry gap by bringing their stories, expertise, and advice to early career artists. Subscribe to join us for a fun chat about life as a creative person, tips and tricks for pursuing an artistic career, navigating the music industry, and more. I am your host, Emma, and today I will be interviewing Duncan Hall. Good morning. Yay! (laughs) Duncan is a Canadian composer of concert music, film music, and works for a variety of ensembles, originally from Calgary and now operating out of Toronto. Duncan's background is heavily influenced by the marching arts and wind ensemble repertoire. He has played in ensembles such as the Calgary Stampede Show Band, the Alberta Honor Band, the Blue Knights Drum and Bugle Corps, and the Toronto Chamber Symphony, to name a few. Outside of an amazing academic setting, Duncan spends most of his time preparing and rehearsing for Drum Corps International, the major league of the marching arts. I think that's all true. That sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> Did I pronounce core right? Yeah, yeah, core. I'm, pro- I'm proud yeah. of myself. <laughs> I do actually need to update that because I'm, this year I'm marching with the Cavaliers, so add, add another one to the, to the list. Yeah. That's really awesome. So we're definitely going to talk a lot about that. Yes, let's go. <laughs> it's, it's funny because so we go to school together, but I wouldn't know that you do marching band over the summer if I didn't yeah. know you well. I mean, it it like it doesn't exist in Canada, so most people assume that people they go to school with don't do marching band. But that's true. Yeah, I think in in the core that I'm in right now, I am one of two Canadians there. Wow. So it's it's like even the number of Canadians who are in the activity, like from all of Canada, is really, really small. But. So is it something where in the in the United States, it's like everyone would be doing it? Every, everyone oh, and their I mother's see. dog does marching <laughs> bands. Like, every high school has a marching band, every football game, you have halftime show, you have a pep band, at the very least, you have cheerleading. Like wow. Everyone does marching band. And then drum corps is the major league. So once you, you know, you've done your high school band and you're like, I'm getting kind of good at this. Then you you go off to drum corps. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool because I I know like sports is in high school and university sports is so big big in the U.S. Not Mm. so much here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's really big in the states. Yeah, amazing. I'm not from the states for clarification. (laughs) I've spent my entire life in Canada. The the only um, like reference that I have for any of this is the time that I've spent doing drum corps in the states. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. So the first question that I like to ask everyone is to give a frame of reference before we go into more detail about stuff is um, what your musical journey has been like and mm. sort of what led you, what sort of things led you to be doing what you are doing today? Okay. So kind um, of a loaded question to ask at the very beginning. Yeah, well, no, it's, I think it's a good place to like, start. Tell you me know, your life story. Right at the beginning yeah. and end off, you know, present day and then keep yeah. going. Complete with a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I brought my slides with me. I'll, I'll just put them on <laughs> <real quick. laughs> um, Yeah, uh, my musical journey so far is a short one, I think, compared to probably most of the other people that you'll interview or even find at the school. Um, I started band in grade seven because I saw my brother doing it. I was like, that's really cool. I want to do that. Um, and that is really where I like started seriously mm. doing music. I didn't do any RCM, any like piano lessons. I took guitar lessons like a little while, but I probably 
annoyed my, my teacher more than anything because I, I never practiced. I was so bad for that. But I started on the flute in grade seven. Um, I did jazz band in grade eight. Is that uh, also on flute? No, that was on alto saxophone and bass guitar. Mm. There was my friend who was also a flautist, also played saxophone, but she was better at bass. So she would take most of the songs on bass and then we would swap out sometimes. Um, that was my introduction to jazz. I haven't stopped listening to it since. I love jazz so Are much. Have seen Snarky Puppies? But, oh my god. Snarky, so good. Are Just you excellent. seeing them come? They're in, coming oh, they're to coming Chicago. to Chicago. Yeah. When? Um, at the end of June. So I'm definitely not going to be here. No, I'm going to do Yeah. Oh, that, no. It's always funny. People are like, oh, are you going to catch this thing in the summer? I'm like, nope. I, I can't, unfortunately. <laughs> I will not be here. But yeah. yeah um, continue. Yes. Uh, grade 7 started band. Grade 8 did jazz band. Uh, grade 9, I started marching band. Um, and it sort of just like snowballed from there. Grade 11 is, or was it grade 10? I think it was grade 10 when I started writing music um, because my band teacher was like, I think you might be good at this. You might like this. I'm like, okay, I'll try it. And I tried it. I was like, yeah, I, I kind of like this. This is kind of cool. And he was like, you should try writing music for movies. I think you'd like it. I'm like, okay, I'll try it. Um, and I thought teacher. about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, right? It's very, very encouraging. Um, in grade 11, I uh, like really tied the knot and decided that instead of engineering, which you know for my entire life and up until that point, I desperately wanted to do, um, I would go into music composition. Um, so I guess like staying on the academic side of things, that's what I went to school for. I did a year of school out at Mount Allison University in New Brunswick. Uh, go Mounties. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I transferred here to specialize in composition, here being University of Toronto. This is my third year here, I just finished. Let's go, <laughs> only one more year to go. Um, and I'm hoping to graduate and then go off and score films. Like try and go straight into, into industry. That's awesome. Yeah, so academics wise, that's been my journey so far. Um, I guess more on the performance side of things, it really, you gotta focus on the, the marching band aspect, so. Mm -hmm. Gray, the high school band is what prepared me for marching band in that sense. So I did uh, two years on flute before I joined marching band in grade nine. I did a year on flute in the Calgary Rano band. And then I did two years of Stetsons, the first year on piccolo, the second year on mellophone, because in 2016. It's a big change. Yeah, it's, it's a big change. I'd never played brass until that point. I'd only done woodwinds. like. Uh, saxophone and flute and bass and maybe like a smattering of drums here and there but um, yeah I decided to try and learn brass because I wanted to march drum corps because in 2016 we saw them live and I was like oh my god this is insane I've never heard anything this loud this cool <laughs> and so are there no yeah, woodwinds in drum corps not in drum corps so in high school marching bands you'll find them in bands of America you'll find them but in drum corps it is solely brass and percussion Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did so your high school that you went to, they had a marching band even though it was Canadian? Oh, no, not at yeah. all. So that was something you went to the States to do? Not either, actually. No, <laughs> no, no, no. What it was is um, marching band culture, um, at least one that, you know, people might be relatively familiar with, really only exists in Calgary, Alberta. Now, granted, mm -hmm. to all your viewers out there from Montreal or from Quebec or from 
other places in Ontario, there are drum lines, there are color guards that exist outside of Calgary. But Calgary is where the marching band scene really is in Canada. Mm -hmm. So there are community bands there that, at least the, the first two feeder bands, so like the 789, the baby band, we like to call it, Calgary Roundup Band, and the Stetson Show Band, as long as you pay money and you show up, you can march. Um, the Calgary Stampede Show Band is auditioned. So that's like the big leagues of, mm -hmm. of the marching bands. But they put on, they put on parades, uh, they'll do like standstill performances where they arc up at some breakfast somewhere and they'll just play some parade tunes. Um, they do a field show, which is competitive, and then they uh, do a lot of performances during Stampede as well. But that is all, it's all centered around the community, so it's not linked to like sports or um, other like external mediums. It's, it's solely marching on for marching on sake, which is oh, really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's a good thing you're from Calgary. <laughs> yeah, right? Otherwise, yeah. you know, I, I never would have discovered that. Yeah. Yeah. In the summer, you're going to be in the U.S., right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so when did you start doing that? So uh, I made the move from the community marching bands to drum corps when I went to university. And that was sort of like a motivation for not staying in Calgary for university. Um, was like going elsewhere to be closer to drum corps. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I decided to move away in 2019, 2020, and I auditioned around places. I didn't get in anywhere. Um, but after COVID hit, my friend sent a message to a, a meme group chat <laughs> from my show band days and said, hey, Blue Knights are still looking for spots. If anyone's interested, they have one mellophone spot. And I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, I got to audition right now. So was this before you started learning this, mellophone or, or no, this after? was this was after, so I'd marched mellophone wow, for two years. Wow, what are years. the odds? Yeah, right, right? This is like, this is my only chance at marching drum corps. Because um, before then, I like I did the Stampede Show band, but I moved away, so that's not an opportunity anymore. I'm now uh, nowhere near marching band culture, so my only options are drum corps. And the places where I auditioned, I all got cut. So it, it was looking like, you know, the remaining four years of my marching career, I wasn't going to march anywhere. But then Wes messaged me and was like, hey, audition for Blue Knights. Mm -hmm. So I did. And in about two weeks, I went from not marching anywhere to having a contract and needing to move in in about a month. Oh <laughs> so it was a really quick turnaround. But yeah, that's, that's when it all started. So right after COVID hit. Oh. Yeah. And so the drum corps, it's still the kind of thing where you have to pay to do it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like a, a full-time job? No, it's it's not a job at all. Um, if it is, I would have a lot more trouble at borders. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, um, needing to get a work visa and all. And is the but. contract just for summer, or are you set for, for well, however long you want to do it? It's just for... So each corps is a little bit different. Um, the... Every single core, however, they only contract members on a season-by-season -season basis. Mm. So one marching season, one contract. Um, most cores, except for like two that I can think of, they always contract veteran members. So if you've marched there before, you have a spot for the next season. Um, there are some cores that don't do that, and their audition processes are like highly stressful because you could have marched, you know, you could be a four-year super vet 
at one of these cores and get cut in your age out year. And like that's a possibility that you might have to contend with. But yeah, I'm thankful I'm not marching at one of those cores. <laughs> you were saying before that like you started playing mellophone, just you were just interested in it, right? Mm. Was it, because that's, I, I don't know, I feel like that's a really obscure instrument. <laughs> yeah, right? it so is. Like, we're, I, I didn't even know that it existed, honestly, until recently. Honestly, it, it really doesn't. <laughs> it's not a real instrument. <laughs> it, um, it doesn't have any um, existing uses outside of marching band. I love that. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> it, we made it up in like 2000, and it exists solely for that purpose. Is yeah. it, is, does it have something to do with it just being a bit smaller and easy to carry? Uh, so what it is, uh, quick history of the mellophone. So <laughs> back in the ye old days of drum corps, uh, it's called, so drum corps are, the full name is drum and bugle corps because everyone marched bugles. Um, once the corps getting, started getting like a little bit bigger, um, I'd say like the 50s, I want to say, because all the corps were, created most of the course were created as ways to get um orphaned children from the war off of the streets and to give them something to do kind of like el sistema in venezuela um but uh they all you know they marched on bugles and bugles are soprano instruments uh but as course got bigger they're like oh we can add more instruments to this so let's you know get a whole choir of bugles so you get soprano bugles you get alto bugles baritone bugles and contrabass bugles um, and then as the years went on and things got more complex and more, uh, you know, the demand was, people were like, oh, we can, we can do more with this. They started adding valves to them. So we got the one valve bugle, we got the two valve bugle, we got G bugles. And for the longest time, like 20 or 30 years, everyone marched G bugles, uh, which were two valve horns and they were soprano, alto, baritone, and contrabass bugles. And then... Uh, someone came along at around the turn of the millennium and said, why don't we just use three valve horns? Because the rest of the world uses three valve horns. You know, we can, they're a lot more versatile. You can do a lot more things. You can play an A flat, which you can't do <laughs> on, a, on a two valve bugle. Um, and so we introduced the trumpet, the concert trumpet, which is pitched in B flat instead of G into the marching bands. We used uh, euphoniums and baritones, uh, which are also pitched in B-flat. We used uh, marching tubas, which were convertible. So instead of doing this, you have to put it over your shoulder, which is a whole other thing. But they're pitched in B-flat. So now you have a B-flat horn line, and you need an alto instrument. Mm. Because the alto horn um, existed in G, and it, like the G bugle, the G alto bugle was a thing. But you didn't have an alto horn in a concert setting that you could take over to a marching setting. Because French horns, they face away. So the bell is facing the wrong way, so you can't use that. You could try using like um, uh, brass band style alto horns, but their bell is pointing up, so you'd have to rearrange the instrument. So instead, Con Selmer decided to create this thing called the mellophone, which also had organs and jazz, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but so basically what it is, is they took the alto bugle and they made it in the key of the French horn. So it's in F um, and they gave it three valves and they gave it a trumpet bore. 
So it has the same board as the trumpet. It's pitched in F. It has a bigger bell than a trumpet, but not as big as a baritone. Um, but it doesn't exist outside of the marching band setting. So it's literally a fake instrument. <laughs> it doesn't exist outside of marching band. We made it. Uh, and uh, yeah. That's cool though. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's interesting how it's, I guess, standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, um, in marching band. Whereas you said it was in, invented it's, in 2000. In, yeah, like That's 2000. It's only been around for like 23 years. But it is a staple. Every single marching band has. Yeah. In fact, it's almost like iconic of marching band, because um, the one thing that anyone who goes to any marching band will tell you is that mellophones have the coolest parts, mm. just like the runs and everything. It's yeah. It's like playing awesome. flute but brass. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's funny because I guess the the registers are are different, but yeah, yeah. 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 Is there a reason why they give? really fast lines to the mellophone versus a higher instrument okay so yes and this goes back to it being a fake instrument mm -hmm. we invented it 23 years ago the trumpet was invented like 200 years ago so it has that much time to be a good instrument like we have time to refine it the mellophone did not and so in the early days it was completely out of tune like <laughs> it was so so out of tune and what do you do to out of tune instruments you give them fast passages because uh, you're playing a lot of notes right no one no one cares about your tuning you just go woo, 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 you don't care about tuning you're just playing notes so literally no, that's the that's the entire reason why mellophones were given fast complex lines because no one can play in tune what does that say about but, flute players <laughs> uh, no comment no comment <laughs> yeah that's awesome that's really cool yeah yeah, yeah. i love i I, I didn't realize that it had that much of a, a rich history, even though it's only 23 years I old. I know, right? I mean, the same could be said about like so many other things. There's there's so much rich, rich history around us. We just, you know. Yeah, even like with the yeah. uniforms and the way that oh, yeah. you were talking about the haircut. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. As um, I normally wear, for the viewers at home, without uh, visual aids, <laughs> I normally have uh, longer hair and I wear a beard, uh, a fairly, fairly, you know, thick beard. It's not like a uh, Viking beard, but it is, it is not exactly, you know, scruff either. Um, and I walked into the studio today to meet Emma for this interview. And she was like, oh my God, Duncan, you look really, really different because I have to have my hair like buzz cut, clean shaven face for the uniform. As it's like a, a whole, there's a whole tradition of it, but yeah. It's, yeah, it's a very jarring look. Every time I look in the mirror, I'm like, ugh, ugh, don't like that. <laughs> but I guess it's worth it when you're yeah. when you're doing it. No, absolutely. It's it's yeah, all part of the fun. Yeah. Um. So to pivot really quick, I I want to just because I don't want to run out of time. Oh, absolutely. Oh, we I burned through that. Oh my god. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to talk about with marching band. Yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about. Um, your your composite more about your compositions and okay. you do a lot of film composition. I do. Um, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, so first off, I guess I would would you like to share with the viewers how you came up with he shoots he scores and what that is? Ah, uh, okay. So that is um, 
basically my professional alias. That's sort of like the the studio that the identity that I can have online, um, where I can like put all of my works and all my things. Uh, I needed a name for it, and I didn't want to just be like, oh, esoteric. It's gonna be a, a pine tree studio. <laughs> I, I was like, no. Um, so I decided to come up with you know a little bit tongue in cheek play on words. Uh, I am Canadian, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> so I, you know, took a bit of Canadian. And I was like, okay, hockey, Canada. That that's gonna read worldwide, right? Um, he shoots, he scores, is very very common. You know, hockey terminology, it's slang. People people say it, associate it, but. It's a double entendre because he shoots films, he scores them too. Like he scores films, oh, he shoots yeah. films, so he shoots, he scores. So that's, uh, yeah. But in, in recent years, it's been a bit of a mouthful to say, and it's, it's a lot to put in an Instagram handle, so sometimes I'm shorting it to just Studio H, mm. which I guess is shoehorn me back to Pine Tree Studios. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is that is HSHS Studios. It took me a while at first to figure out the the pun. Oh, the pun! Yes. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. but once I did, I was just like, "Oh my gosh! Yeah, this it, is amazing." It, it takes people a minute or two, but once they see it, it's like, "Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah." And um, so, we are both in the same course at U of T, where we film composition course we mm. collaborate with animators from Sheridan and you take on a lot of films as <laughs> I remember correct how many how many have you done <laughs> oh my god I've, uh, okay so this year um, I had a lighter workload actually I only did five That's <laughs> so for, for reference most people do one maybe two I did five <laughs> How many did you do last year? Last year I did like six, maybe seven. Okay. But like at the, so we go in person to Sheridan College, right? Yeah. And we talk with the animators there and we have like an industry day and you try to say, hey, I'll score your film. And you try to, I have a game of like trying to rack up as many animators as I can. <laughs> and I said I would work with about 10 people. <laughs> and I ended up working with about five. So that's losses of like 50%-ish. So, you know, that, that's workable. Yeah, <laughs> well, that. I mean, a, a lot of times it's difficult for people to pair up one collaboration, mm -hmm. let alone five. So yeah. That's, yeah. that's something to be said about. I will, I'm, I'm very, <laughs> yeah. very, very uh, grateful to the animators for giving me this opportunity. Yeah. Um, and so the reason I'm bringing this up is because... That's a lot of stuff to do. That's a lot of, that's a heavy workload. Yeah. And um, I'm wondering sort of like, how do you, how do you approach working on so many films when they all have a similar deadline? Mm -hmm. And how do you, like, do you have a process that you go by that helps you to, to get it all done? Sure. Um, I think my approach is very holistic in that sense. So I will, um, I will send out a mass email once I have um, said, so first I have my list of all the animators that I talk to. I grab all of their emails. I send out a mass email saying, hi, I'd like to work with you. Here are the dates that I'm available for work, um, which are usually shorter because of Dreamcore. But <laughs> um, please reply if you would like to work with me. 
and then whoever replies first, I'll work on their projects first. Mm. Um, and it usually shuffles out okay because the revision, like, they send me stuff, I send them stuff back. They're like, no, this is trash, please do it all again in a different style and add kazoo on the left side. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, we'll go back and forth and send revisions. So those revisions tend to, like, uh, dovetail nicely with everyone else's. So I'm rarely working... I rarely need to work on two or more projects at the same time to be done, like, to have a revision done by the end of the week. It'll be like, I'll work on a project, then a few days later, I'll get comments back on a different thing, so I send that back, and then a few days later, I'll get comments back on a different project, and it'll just sort of, like, trade off. Um, and I'll just keep doing that until the project projects, eh, projects eventually run out. There we go. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's 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 really cool that you're kind of staying on top of it and you're the one instigating all of the communication and everything. So a lot of mm -hmm. times it's it's difficult when you're waiting on people to contact you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that that is part like one of the hardest things cuz like you send out a giant email to like 10 people and you never hear back from three of them. Mm -hmm. And you yeah, you just got to <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And um you ever find that you like get burnt out or, or anything or do you find that you know, your strategy works it's, that's a really really interesting question and I would love to give you an honest answer that is you know actually do I feel burnt out from doing the work unfortunately <laughs> I am trying to do all of this off of a computer <laughs> 8 gigabytes of RAM I only figured out a few weeks ago that my, the reason why all of my projects were like popping and crackling while I was like still in the DAW was because I wasn't using an audio interface. So I only started using that. A hundred percent of my burnout has come from solely my computer is not beefy enough to like handle the things that I'm trying to do on it. It's yeah. like, I'll, I'll hit play and I'll wait three seconds and then it'll go past the thing and it'll like oh stop it'll just keep playing for like another 15 seconds it just it's so annoying yeah my project takes five minutes to load my application takes six minutes to start up if there's anything that burns me out it's a hundred percent that if i like if all of those issues were outside of my purview i could just work for hours and then i could answer your question <laughs> whether it burns me out but no, right now the projects don't burn me out. It's like the tech. my tools are burning me out. It's so frustrating. No, I I definitely can relate. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I bought a computer. I got I got like an actual good laptop. Yeah. Um, last year, and like prior to that, it was just so many headaches. Like having to do online school on a computer just, that just doesn't want to work. It's a nightmare. Yeah. And it's so crazy because then like now I'm like, I open Google and I'm like, oh my gosh, it pops up in, in a millisecond. So right. Well, it's, right. Something is supposed to open yeah. in Google. Or it's like <laughs> turning your computer on. It doesn't take oh half God. an hour anymore. Oh my God. Literally. Yeah. And it's, it's so frustrating because I sit down, I have a whole weekend to myself. I'm like, okay, this is the weekend where I'm going to start up my, I'm going to, you know, stop blaming my tools. I'm going to refine my craft. I'm really just going to work. And I click on digital performer and I have to 
wait like six minutes. Yeah. I go downstairs and I make tea. I finish the whole pot before I come back and my program has loaded. It's yeah. so frustrating. So I guess if we could um, give any advice to mm. people who are wanting to get into music production, what are the most important things that you should invest in first? Okay. Um, so our professor, Aaron Sang, yeah. uh, vast be his wisdom. <laughs> this is the advice that he gave to me. Okay. Um, and I will repeat it with several grains of salt. Please, please take this with a grain of salt. You can do professional level editing, creation, mock-up using just beginner tools. You can do it. It's possible. Mm -hmm. If you want your mixes to sound industry standard, if you want to be moving up to like higher and higher levels, you will soon realize there are a lot of barriers in place. The first barrier that I came across was computer power. I was trying to run everything off of my school laptop and it's the, it's the only laptop I have, right? Mm -hmm. So it has all of my files on it, it has all my programs, and they don't take up a lot of space, but it's an old laptop too, so the computer power is not great. And on top of all of that, I'm trying to run Digital Performer, which is bulky. I'm trying to load like all of my VSTs, even plugins. if they're free, everything, all the plugins, trying to run like even just like, it's like five tracks things at, with at reverb on two. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's my computer does not have enough processing power. So you are able to do everything off of beginner tools. Um, but don't be afraid to recognize and acknowledge when the tools aren't right for the job. Mm -hmm. You know, a good workman doesn't blame the tools, but a good workman also knows that you don't, the limits of your you don't use pliers to hammer a nail. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the obstacles, once they start appearing, they start appearing fast. Yeah. And I think it's, it's also a thing of knowing what to upgrade first. Mm. Right? Yes. Like, if I, let's say I had, like, if I had a crappy mic and a crappy computer, I'd, mm. what would you upgrade first? It depends on what you're doing, I guess, yeah, right? Like, yeah. if you're recording vocals all the time and everything to... sounds, I don't know, like... <laughs> like thing... artifacts everywhere. Yeah. yeah, then maybe upgrade the mic. If mm. you're doing more, like, electronic music and beat making, then you might want to upgrade the computer yeah, first, computer. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, I don't know, like, would audio interface that's like really really important if you're oh my god like you can get a lot done <laughs> on you can get a lot done with no interface oh, but yeah. if you're if you're, if you're not four advils a day for yeah. the but... <laughs> no, but like if you're if you're like let's say if you're recording a podcast yeah. let's say and it's just one track exactly then yeah. you can you can get but we're not using an audio interface no. right now if you're recording 20 tracks all playing at the same time you're gonna hear a lot of yeah yeah i i remember um when i had my old computer i would be working on my project and it got to a certain it would get to a certain point where if i wanted to edit something i would have to edit it and then export it to be able to oh listen to it back god. and then oh make the change export it again because it was just like 
the computer just couldn't handle playing it back. I. But it would take at least ten minutes that, to export. That was my entire life for like the past year and a half. But every time that thought came into my head, I was like, "Just it, that's so much work. I'll just like trust that the automation that I wrote and everything is fine, yeah. and it will be fine when I export it. Hopefully, I'm baking, please." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, what else can we give advice? Like, mm. things that on a budget, the every year, the like, if you were to buy a laptop or, or some, like, especially with laptops, mm. every year they get better and better. Mm -hmm. So you can get something that's really really high end for a very decent price. Mm -hmm. And you know, if I were to buy a laptop now versus five years ago like the laptop i could buy now with the same price would have so much more specs than something yeah. five years ago which is cool yeah that's that's also that is a fair point it's that technology like really does develop fast nowadays yeah. but also the um advancements that are being made are they're getting more and more like fine details mm. um so if you buy don't feel the urge to buy something like brand new if you can't afford it. Um, at the same time, prefer stuff that is newer as opposed to stuff that is older. So if you have a budget of like $1,000 and you could spend that on um, a, a five-year-old Mac or, you know, some, some, some five-year-old computer that is, you know, it's decent, it's in working shape, it'll, it'll get the job done, um, but it only costs like $500 as opposed to spending $800 in getting a computer from six months ago, I would recommend getting the computer from six months ago mm. because the difference between like five years and six months. Yeah. Um, I set up this metaphor wrong. If you have two computers, <laughs> okay, start over. If you have two computers, one is brand new right now today and one is from six months ago, go for the one from six months ago. Don't buy the one from brand new today because that one's gonna be more expensive and the um, benefits that you're getting from the brand new computer um, are probably aren't worth it because in two or three years it's going to be as obsolete as the computer that yeah. you're buying from like six months ago. But if you do, if you do have the option from the run five years ago, also go with the also, one from yes, six months ago. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Buy um, buy very recent. Buy as recent as you can, but still like behind the shock wave, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I've, I keep on hearing from people to like always look at, um, there's Facebook groups for oh, people absolutely. who know a lot about gear oh, God, yeah. and they'll sell used items all the time. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So on the topic of technology, you also make YouTube videos and you make, you shoot films. I do. And you score for the films. Occasionally, yes. <laughs> Um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because um, on your YouTube channel, I know I noticed how in a, a lot of times when you put up something that you've composed and it's accompanied by a video, it's very, the video is so intertwined and synced, integrated into the composition, just like all of the small details, like you'll make movements with your head or like there's a shot change and it just reflects the music so much. And so... I wanted to know, like, do you, when you're writing music, do you think about how you're going to film a video for it, or do you film a video first, and just, like, how, how yeah. do you, how do you do that? How do you approach it? Um, 
So full disclosure, I haven't done it in a while. I've been meaning to get back on it, but like school has been just mm-hmm. like filling my entire schedule. And then on top of that, there's drum corps. But um, when I do it next, <laughs> the the way that I'll look at it, um, I usually have an idea for a film first, and then the music will be because the music for film is always accompanying unless you are like looking at music and you want to make a film to that. The music will always be accompanying the film. So I'll think about the film first. I'll think about important moments, uh, the, the story, the structure. Um, and I'll think about like visual details. Uh, and then once I have like all of that down and I've started shooting and everything, then I will like start taking the music and trying to represent what I'm seeing visually in the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you like will fully make and edit a video and then set it. Or... It's sort of it's sort of, it's sort of like songwriting. Mm. Remember so um it's the whole discussion of like what comes first, music or lyrics. Yeah. It's the two sort of grow organically together. But um in my case I I usually start with the film first and then once I have sort of solid footing on that, then the two can grow together. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Cool. And so do you have to sort of flip back and forth between video editing software and your DAW? Uh, so I will always, okay, yeah, this is, this is actually a bit of an issue because normally when I'm scoring for film, I already have a completed video that I am scoring to. When I'm making a film, the film isn't complete. Like it's, it's still being created and so is the music. So I'll say, um, I'll have a moment, say, in the music where I'm like, oh, I need four more bars to develop this idea. How can I get, you know, three more seconds out of the music or out of the out of the movie? Or uh, this shot is a little bit too long, so I need to chop that down, but oh, that really screws with my BPM. So it's, you know, you, you just gotta, it it's just organic, you know? Mm-hmm. Just trust the process, dude, you'll be fine. <laughs> but literally, no, you, you, you just, as long as you trust your instincts, that's all, if there's any piece of advice that I can give that has seriously helped me more than any other piece of advice, it's trust your instincts. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to music, it doesn't matter what kind of music, if you're listening to any kind of music, if you have any kind of thoughts about what it is that you're doing, understanding that's an extremely broad statement but yes that that is exactly how broad it needs to be if you have it's like music is that the universal language right and so if you're studying music you can learn so much about it but you could also there's a lot of things that we intuitively Mm. know and feel when we listen to music i think the the thing because whenever someone says music is the universal language it like rubs me kind of the wrong way. <laughs> Sorry. Like, no, but no, no, no. But like, I, I, you know, I'm guilty of saying it too. But like, and it's I've never really quite found how to articulate just exactly what that sentiment is. Mm. But I think the best way that I know how is that it's not that music is the universal language. The universal language is the emotions that we mm. feel, and the music is simply the medium through which we express it. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And so, um, I guess going off of what you were saying about instinct, because um, 
another thing I noticed in your videos, and just like in general, knowing you in person, you were a very charismatic person and you were very <laughs> good with people. Thank you. And I think that also comes across in your videos where it's like you use sort of humor and um, mm. I guess, I, I don't want to say randomness, but no. like you have a lot of more candid yeah. type shots in your videos. Yeah. Um, and it sort of plays into the humor in it. And so something I wanted to ask was, you know, like people say like, oh, be yourself, mm -hmm. be, uh, be authentic to mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I don't know, it's like a lot easier said than done. And I think like you definitely need to have a certain level of confidence to do that. Mm -hmm. And so like in terms of like, you know, how you portray yourself online and how you express yourself through music, do you have any thoughts about yeah. any of that? <laughs> um, <laughs> So I feel that like charisma, the, the person ability, uh, that, that sort of like comes very naturally for me. So mm -hmm. as long as I'm like leaning into that, then um, it, it's, it's not really something that I, I, I struggle with. So unfortunately I can't give a lot of tips <laughs> other than um, people, they either, don't care about what it is that you're doing. They care deeply about what it is that you're doing. Um, you, you know, if you can figure out how to tell when people are doing one or the other, then that's, you know, that that's certainly a, a great step in the right direction. Hi. Hi. Oh. Are you interrupting? You're recording something. No worries. No. Yeah. No worries. Have fun. Yeah, uh, uh, be yourself, just be yourself. I always, for the longest time, I just, I hated that advice mm -hmm. because it's a cop-out. It's not advice. Like, I felt like it was not advice because it was like, who the fuck else am I supposed to be? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> who, am I, who else am I supposed to be? Like, <laughs> but what it is, is um, trust your instincts, trust your ear, trust your training. That's um, what you want. Yeah. And what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, everything, and th this goes into sort of like a sort of guiding principle for me, but everything must have an intention. Mm. If you are like very clearly intentional about what it is that you're doing, then, you know, you're, you know that you're on the right track. Yeah. Um, so like, even if you're just, you know. Hmm. I, I feel just, like that's, that's like a really difficult thing to do hmm. um, because, and it takes a lot of confidence to do mm -hmm. because if you're doing, like let's say you're writing music and you're doing everything with intention, that means that if someone doesn't like it or if someone has any sort of critique, they're not only critiquing what you did, they're critiquing uh, your reasoning for what uh, you did. And yes, so you have yeah. to have like the confidence to either be like, no, like I did this for this reason and here's why, mm -hmm. or to be like, you know, I did this for this reason, but now that I've received this constructive criticism, I yeah. I can, you know, reevaluate mm -hmm. and grow from that. But that, that takes a lot of humility. Yeah, no, de definitely for sure. Mm -hmm. There's, there's sort of uh, two interesting like side paths that you, you brought up there, one of which I'm, I'm gonna go down really quick, is like the pedagogical implications of that makes sense. So when you're teaching, you never want to say, oh, 
you made a bad sound or you sounded really good today. Mm. Like neither negative or the positive, but you're attributing it to the person. Mm. You always want to separate the person from their playing so that their value, like their self value is not determined on like how well they're playing. It's still like their personal value. And instead you can look objectively at how the punch will say, Oh, your tone was really good. Oh, I liked, uh, how you sounded when you played this. Um, I didn't like the sound you made when it this. It's not, I don't like your sound here. It's, yeah, it's like, I don't like, I like how you sounded. Exactly. Or exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, versus I don't like how it sounded when you did this. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so hard to like find, you know, yeah. the right wording for those things, but it's so important. Mm -hmm. So likewise, going back to the intentions, when someone is giving you criticisms or you're talking about your piece to others, it's important to distance yourself from the work in such a way that you can talk about the work and not get personally offended mm. because that is hard <laughs> because that is your yeah. work. That is your art that you're putting out there. And people are like, I, I think, you know, it's, it's a little bit too long. In the beginning. I think you're too long in the beginning. You know, <laughs> how about that? <laughs> uh, so it's, it's important to say like, oh, okay. Here's my intention for doing this. So instead of be attacking the person, you're attacking the intention. Yeah. You can make sort of like logic down. Vast oversimplification, but that's <laughs> that's how that works. Um, there was another thing that I wanted to talk about, but I can't remember what it was. I don't remember what you wanted to talk about. <laughs> I'm just joking. Weird. <laughs> I'm glad one of us didn't know. We were talking about intentions behind the piece and mm. someone giving you criticism. Confidence, intention. Ah, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, um, vast, vast oversimplification, oversimplification again here, but the intention does not have to be a quote unquote good reason. The intention has to be present. Mm -hmm. And that I think is what people really mean when they're like, trust yourself, trust the intentions. The intention can be oh, well, you know, a two chord has two, four, and six in it, but, you know, I, I want it diminished, so I'm going to add this, and I want seven, so it's this. And that works well because harmony, and, you know, if you don't like that, then take it up with Bach and take it up with Beethoven. <laughs> but that, that's my intention for using this chord here. Or your intention could be, yeah, that sounds good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that way, I like that. Uh, I don't know, no, no, do it that way. Those are both very equally valid intentions, and I yeah. think it's a big step in maturity to realize that both of those are valid mm -hmm. especially in a university setting like you sit around and everyone's like oh two five one this and you know oh, like the, no the parallel fits and no parallel fits and, and then you look at like uh debussy or you know and any of the impressionists and they're using parallel everything you're like well but that that breaks the rules so the intention <laughs> is wrong you're wrong it's like no it's something else going wrong mm -hmm. so that's another thing i'm just like oh. but like Going back to the point at hand, the confidence, the confidence should stem from trusting your intentions and knowing that as long as there exists an intention, even if it is, I just like the sound of it, yeah. that is valid, that is fair, people can attack that, fine, whatever, but it's intention. Yeah, and I think also on the same vein, having a goal or... Like, you, I don't think you necessarily always have to have a goal of what you're aiming towards, mm -hmm. but that could be, that could help guide your intentions. Whereas, like, 
I, I want to do this because at the end of the road, I want the piece to sound like X, Y, and Z. And so this is supporting that, or this is, I, this is my narrative. And so I'm choosing this chord because it supports this narrative that I'm painting. Yeah, yeah. It's like, there's a, a, uh, a thought, thought idea. No, what's it, what's it called when you philosophy thought experiment, thought experiment, Oh, a thought experiment called the library of Babel. So if a, if you give a chimpanzee a typewriter and a time machine that allows them to travel an infinite amount of time, they will eventually, and they're just like randomly pushing buttons. They will type out every single possible combination of letters, numbers, whatever you have it, every single thing that could ever possibly exist. And within that library would exist every single work of written uh, word that has ever existed, exists now, will ever exist. Um, but the difference between simply doing that and saying, okay, now I'm gonna excerpt this book and this is the, the book that was written by a chimpanzee, you know, by complete chance. The, di the thing that separates that from if I did the same thing, but I, like, it was me who created it. It wasn't just a chimpanzee typing buttons by chance. The thing that separates that from my work is that I was intentional about doing it. Mm. That is where, in my opinion, the art resides. Simply the, the presence of intentions, no matter what they are. So if someone tells you to be yourself, to trust yourself, that is what they're doing. That, that is what they're trying to foster within you, mm -hmm. is the attention to intention. Ooh, that is that that's is, a sound bite right there. Yeah. That is quotable. I'll take that. Yeah. yeah. Duncan's inspirational quotes. Attention to intention. Yeah. I feel the the same way about something that would really bug me mm. was because I was a very shy kid, very insecure. Really? I was really? so shy. <laughs> oh, are you being sarcastic? Uh, no, 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 just, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> from, from knowing you in class and whatnot. But. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but people would always like teachers and people of authority would be tell me to to be confident mm. and oh it's it's so simple just, just stop be being confident. anxious just be confident yeah. just do it and that, <laughs> that bugged me so much because me just like existing and doing what i was doing normally was already me really trying to be confident yeah. you know and um it's such like a generalized blanket mm. statement to say, you know, whereas it's like, trust yourself yeah. is actually useful. Because mm -hmm. it's like, how do you be confident? You trust yourself. Yeah, yeah, right? that's confidence. Confidence is um, trust in the knowledge that you have. Yeah. Trust, it's like confidence is knowledge, knowledge is confidence in that like, you know something mm -hmm. to be true. Like when you're practicing for a big exam or something, it's like, I know I have this part down, so I'm not gonna be nervous when I go on stage because I'm confident because yeah. I know that I have this part down. Or it's even like something I always say to to students or just mm. friends, trust in your preparation mm. and that mm. it will be enough. Exactly. Or or that trust in your preparation that you'll be able to do the best you can with how you prepared, you yeah. know? Because even uh, one thing for me in like my past performance experiences, like I won't put in a lot of effort and then I know that that's not the best that I could do, like period. But in that moment, with the preparation that I had, 
that is the best that I can present at this point in time. Yeah, it's like yeah. that thing of um, you may only have 70% capacity on a certain day. Mm -hmm. It's not giving 100% mm -hmm. of your best day. It's giving 100% yeah. of the 70%. It's your output will not be 100% every day, but your input should always be 100%. Not, not 90 or 110, because 110 is nope. just as bad as 90, but 100% input every day. And if that means that you're on a 70% day, then your output will be 70%. If that means you're on a 95% day, then your output will be 90%. If that means you're on a 5% day, then that's 5% output, but your input is still 100%. Mm -hmm. Another, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You're just dropping all the wisdom today. <laughs> yeah, they're all just like things that have been dropped on me, so I figured it's you know, yeah, only, only proper that I pass them on as well. Just sharing the wealth. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess we you kind of we kind of uh, touched upon this very in depth, but um, the question that I'm asking everyone is. When you were beginning your journey as an artist, what is a resource and or piece of advice that you wish you had? I guess for me, when I was first starting out doing artistic stuff, I mean, I could, I could say the usual things of like, less is more. That's always important anywhere you are. Less is more. Um, always be intentional. Um, Trust yourself, trust your intentions. I think for me when I was first starting out, I was still battling between the duality of like, I'm following this path of becoming a musician, but I still like have an extreme deep passion for sciences and engineering because it was literally like turning a leaf that I, I made that decision. But um, I think the advice that I would give is like, just go for it. Um, doing one thing does not separate you out from the ability to do the other thing. And of course, it won't be the same. You can still, you, you can do both. Mm. Uh, so. I just talked to, yeah. to Shreya, mm. um, who is, who pursued music and science at the same time. And so it's yeah. like definitely possible to do both. It is possible. Being able to pursue the things that are passionate mm -hmm. and not have to quote unquote give one up. It it just yeah. gives, it, it makes your life so much more colorful when you're able to do really all of does. the things you want to do. That is, yeah. I Honestly, if there's one thing that I am truly like just deeply grateful for and proud of that's part of my agency is that I, have been uh, gracious? No. I've been lucky enough to have a, a great wealth of experiences to draw from. So I've traveled the world a little bit. I've learned some languages. You know, I come from a mixed background, so I, I have, you know, multiple cultures to draw from. I try to understand people at their level, so I learn about cultures a lot. I learn about, you know, I'm deeply interested in sciences. Every single thing that you know is a node in your brain. And the more things that you know, the more interconnected your web can be. Mm. So if you know, you know, if you just like know more things, if you understand more realities than your own, then that helps you to relate to other people 
and that helps you to create something that is more unified and something that is you know trending towards uh, if it is what you're looking for something that is you know universal something that is global globally true that's awesome yeah yeah and to to follow those like, kind of a paler um, more surface question to follow yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what music would you recommend that people listen to like any oh. anything that you'd like to to share music recommendation oh god okay um honest okay so i listen to all kinds of music i am notoriously infamous for not listening to classical music even though i'm a classical composer uh, but i listen to film music I like minimalist funk. I am Wolfpack's biggest fan. Uh, Jack Stratton, if you're hearing this, I, I love you forever. <laughs> um, Jack Stratton, you should be on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, if you can get that, that you've made it big. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, if he's listening, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, just, uh, just contact, email me. Then. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, but I think, honestly, honestly, because I don't think members of your podcast, listeners of your podcast, probably listen to this, or they will probably get recommended to them by anyone else. Listen to drum corps. Mm -hmm. Listen to marching bands. Because it is such... It's so strange. It's such a niche world, but it is so rich once you're inside. And it's so like deep and broad. And the worst part about all of it is it's dying. It's it eventually, <laughs> no. like, within, like, probably the next 10 years, it's, it might not exist. Wow. One of the legacy cores that's existed since the founding of Drum Corps went bankrupt this year. And it's the like Girl Guides of Canada. <laughs> what is that? The Girl Guides of Canada that are going oh, bankrupt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is, like, something that's been, like, historic, and then yeah. it's dying. Yeah. No. Where am I going to get my Girl Scout cookies? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So I, I will I will bring them out of bankruptcy solely for that reason alone. Yeah. Uh, not to mention all the other good that they. It's they like do have a bunch of daughters. Yeah. No, but sell the cookies. <laughs> listen to drum corps. Support drum corps. It is, it is a dying art form, and it's it's so sad that it is suffering the way that it is mm. because I feel, it is truly, on the verge of becoming something that is just really 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 phenomenal like the amount of breakthroughs that we're going through we're still discovering new things we're still discovering new ways of teaching new ways of doing it and honestly everyone who marches drum corps most people there are exceptions but everyone that i've met who've done march drum corps they've turned into just wonderful human beings oh. they're like they're pinnacles of society they so it's are, like there, it's that discipline as well that instilled, really, right? No, the, the whole point of drum corps is the people that you march with. You march yeah. corps to be around those kinds of people, to ignore the rest of the world for three months. Aww. And it's, yeah, no, it's it's why I keep going back, because it's, it's, it's like family. My, my very limited exposure to drum corps has been through the movie Drumline. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's, that's college marching band. So college marching band, as as far as I'm concerned, is here to stay forever. Okay, um, that's good. That's good. But at least at least yeah. we have that. Yeah, 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 and it's yeah. Drum corps itself, 
as, as its own marching arts for marching sake, it is going away, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And whatever I can do to stop that, I swear to God, I will try to figure out a way. But so we'll put links in <laughs> links in the description. So if anyone if you know, is listening and wants to be in yeah. drum corps, if you see you anyone know. posting on their story saying, "Hey, I'm trying to march this season at uh, cadets, at mandarins, at you know anywhere, Cavaliers," like uh, please donate so I can you know help support my summer. If you have a rich grandparent who's just passed away and, you know, they have like or Or it could be li- living and or, or living. just rich. No, <laughs> I, I was just, you know, if you've inherited a large amount of money, you know, donating it to, to, the, to the world of drum corps, that would be, you know, yeah. per, perhaps fortuitous. But, uh, yeah. 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 And so, um, be- before we finish off, do you have any upcoming music or projects that you would like to plug? Ooh, uh, projects. Um, not at the moment, mainly because drum corps. Drum corps, exactly. Yeah, we're learning. But we'll um, put we'll put your link, but, links to yeah, social media yeah. and you YouTube. can follow me on Instagram. He shoots he score studios. Uh, you can go to my website, DuncanHall.ca. Uh, you can go to my YouTube channel, which is also He Shoots He Score Studios. I'm, there's, I'm, I can give you all of these links as well. Yeah. Link in the bio. Hit like, subscribe, ring that bell icon. Oh follow yeah. Me on Spotify now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I might have. I've been talking with a local spoken word rap beat maker personality. She was at the train station at my house, huh. just selling like. Uh, like freezies, slushies, and like Kool-Aid to try and support uh, her journey to music school. Because she wants to go to school. So she was like selling things. I was like, hey, I go to music school. Why don't we do a collaboration? Um, this is turning into like a bigger project as well. Because we've been talking about it. She's like, oh yeah, why don't I get my buddy from the States to, to you know, feature on this. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh my God. <laughs> this, this gets serious. That's exciting. So I might have that project coming up. Um, but other than that, the most important thing is that I will be available for work soon because I'm graduating next year. So if you're listening to this podcast and you need someone to design drill for your marching band, to arrange for your marching band, to score your film, to edit your film, I can do that too. Um, I can speak a, a little bit of Mandarin, but <laughs> if that's at all useful. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm cheap. I am fairly quick. I will, and you're I will, skilled and talented. Skilled and talented, and I'm hungry for work. You heard it here. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for creating a podcast so that I can be again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having such a wonderful one. This was a wonderful time. Yeah. yeah. This is really fun. Yeah. Next season when you have video, I'll, I'll have to yeah. poke like, you a little bit. You can edit, edit the videos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. okay. Networking. I, I see. I see what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thank anyone who is listening. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to add this podcast to your playlist and to like it and follow it. And to follow the podcast on social media at the Bedroom Studios podcast. And all the links will be in the description. We will put drum corps music on 
the playlist of guest music recommendations. So you can listen to that too. Let's go! Yes! <laughs> awesome. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That Yay. was a lot of fun. Yeah.